0: Thanks for leaning in to the second episode of Van Life. Today, we're going to touch base with uh, my buddy Jacob, who's currently gallivanting in California. Uh, he bounces around between Alaska, Washington State. He's been all over the place traveling in his van. And I can't wait to share his story with you. Thank you for tuning in to Lunar Cats. Uh, Today, we're going to touch base with Jacob Blowers, who's currently gallivanting California um, in the Malibu area right now, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I'm Malibu, LA kind of area, just kind of bouncing around for the time being.
0: Very cool. So for listeners, actually, who tuned into the first season, um, Jacob used to live with Amber, who I interviewed, and that's Amber is kind of the connection between the two of us. And we've now known each other for like, almost 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. And I just have this like really vivid image of you, longboarding, like barefoot. And... <laughs> You know, there were just a lot of porch hangings on Getting Street, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of adventures on that porch and in that house. So super happy that oh, even after all this time, we've managed to like reconnect over an entire yeah. ocean. <laughs> Definitely.
1: Yeah. I'm very happy to be here talking to you on your podcast. It was, it was fun listening to Amber's, uh, ep- your episode interviewing Amber, cause I haven't, I haven't talked to her in so long, but it was like kind of full circle, um, listening to you guys talk and, and now being able to do this with you. So it was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, it was, it was also great to connect with her and, um, you know, the internet is an amazing tool sometimes because Instagram really brought some people back into my life. And, uh, I just love that it also started as like being neighbors too. So that gives me like a happy feeling. Um, definitely. But I I want to jump into what you're currently doing and I know you went to the Maritime Great Lakes Academy in Michigan. Yeah, Great Lakes feel Maritime like I was Academy. I I butchered that, but
1: <laughs> No, you pretty much <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um yeah, so I gra- I graduated from there in 2019, so it's been it's been a couple of years. But I was there for 4 years. Oh yeah so it's an accredited program so you come you you do have a bachelor's degree but the main thing um that you're going for that makes you employable is um a mate's license or there's an engine side as well but I was on the deck side so when I graduated I had a third mate unlimited license which basically allows you to sail as a mate on like large like big cargo ships um and then also pilotage for the great lakes which you need If you're going to be doing that on the Great Lakes. So come out with those two license licenses and, um, uh, I sailed on the Great Lakes for a year. It wasn't for me. And then I fairly shortly after that, um, my current job kind of landed in my lap, like in the middle of the pandemic. So I got very lucky because I really love my job that I have now. But, um, yeah, that's the brief synopsis of my schooling and, um, Maritime, my short maritime career so far.
0: And did you like? Was van life introduced before or after you went to maritime? Um, it's kind of
1: during. Uh, I there wasn't like one specific thing. There wasn't one particular thing that I remember that that really plant at the seed, but it was just kind of a general exposure online and social media and whatnot. Um, And I also knew that it was a realistic option for me because of the type of work-life balance or schedule you typically have on um, cargo vessels or if you're working in the Merchant Marines. um, It varies company to company, but usually it's like, you know, you'll work for a month or two months or three months or four months, whatever it is. And then you'll have a month or two or whatever off. So you have big chunks of time off where you're free to really do whatever you want. Um, so, uh, knowing that I was getting into a field where that was like a really could easily work with traveling and living out of the van made it that much more appealing.
0: When did you like, what year did you buy your van and where did you get it from?
1: Um I got it in December of 2019. Um so after my first and last season working on the Great Lakes. Um I was in at the time I was kind of having an extended stay with my parents and my my dad was interested and wanted to help out and so he was helping me kind of narrow down my options and figure out where you know, what I should be looking for and whatnot, which is really helpful. Um, and we ended up getting it from uh, Michigan city, Indiana. Um, our radius for our search slowly got bigger. Fortunately, we didn't have to travel any further than Indiana though. So, um, so yeah, I got that kind of mid December, I think. And then it took about six weeks to convert it. It was just a com- empty shell when I got it. And, um, I was partly on a budget schedule and then partly on a time schedule. So I really just kind of busted it out. I was doing like 10 hour days every day, um, which was sometimes trying because it was December and January in Michigan and I was working outside. So it was pretty fucking cold, but uh, but I'm really grateful to have had the space and the tools at, you know, my dad has a bunch of tools and whatnot and he was, they're both really supportive of it. So, that was a huge help.
0: Does your van have a name? <laughs>
1: um, uh, sort of. Um, I kind of loosely have named it in my head, but I don't ever refer to the van by name. It's just kind of a fun thing in my head. Um, but the name that I had in mind is Baba Yaga, which sounds silly, but it's... um. <clears throat> It's this character in uh Eastern European like folklore and she's kind of this like ogre witch lady that like lives in the woods and sometimes helps the protagonist and then other times is like just wants to like cook you and eat you kind of thing and um I actually uh came across her character in a book called um Women Who Run With Wolves um the author just takes these different stories and kind of breaks them down and it's really interesting. But uh I just really like the sound of the name and I liked the character. I don't know that it really um speaks to the character of my van specifically, but
0: that's what I landed on. I love that. Can you say the name one more time? <laughs> Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Nice. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. But I did. You have mentioned that book to me before. And I I just dot, jotted the name down again.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's written um, for women, but it's definitely applicable to anybody. And she, um, uh, yeah, she like breaks down these stories and, and talks about how they just represent different parts of our psyche and whatnot. Um, kind of in line with a lot of what Joseph Campbell does with mythology. But I really, I really liked it. It's a pretty rich book. It's good, though. It's worth reading.
0: So you got the van in 2019 and you've been consistently living in it, like besides, you know, like when you're visiting family or, or friends, right? Or when you're obviously working, when you're on the boat. Um,
1: he, sort of. Uh, my, my, my girlfriend at the time and I, once I finished it, drove across the country to California. And then I had to start working um, at a job that didn't last long because of the pandemic. So I left and she drove it up to Alaska. I got laid off because of the pandemic. So I was in Alaska living out of the van for a little while, got my current job, sailed for four months. And then basically after that, I shipped the van down to Seattle. And since then, so I would say um, 20, beginning of 2020 is when I really started to do like full time. When I'm not working, I'm living and traveling in the van.
0: Did it feel like a pretty seamless transition given how much time you had spent in it kind of already? Or did you feel like there was an adjustment period for you?
1: No, not really. I mean, like you said, I've been living in it for a while. And at that time, I was sharing the space with my partner and she has two small dogs. So it was like, it was cozy. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) um, for me to be doing it on my own... um, it felt pretty easy to kind of shift into that mode.
0: And do you envision yourself kind of turning this lifestyle, like this lifestyle into a more permanent gig? I know you've mentioned, you know, like buying land and kind of living off the grid. Is this kind of like your training period for that or? Um.
1: I guess I don't really think about it as like a training period. It's definitely a lesson in simplicity, which I appreciate. But, uh, as far as permanency of doing what I'm doing now, I don't, I don't really foresee it as like a, of a, a particularly long-term, um, thing. I know that, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely things I miss about living in one particular place and having certain conveniences, but also having a sense of community, um, And, uh, yeah, so, so eventually, like you mentioned, I, I kind of have a medium term goal of, of buying some land and, and maybe have, you know, having some kind of home in that way. But also, um, I mean, for the meantime, I really love what I'm doing and I'm not like totally burnt out on it, you know? So I, in the short term, definitely, I would like to continue doing this while I'm saving up and looking and, um, but yeah, for now I'm just enjoying being on the road while I'm doing it.
0: I know you've touched on it, but where like where do you think you'd want to buy land at, just out of curiosity?
1: That is a good question. And I kind of have that in the back of my head when I'm traveling around, you know, staying and visiting these different places. Um the place that um kind of has stuck with me more than others. is like Oregon and Washington. Um, I'm really enamored with the West in general, but much of the West is very dry and water security is something that I am particularly sensitive about when I think about long-term. Um, maybe that just comes with growing up in Michigan where it's like all the fresh water in the world everywhere. (laughs) But, uh, And then out west, you know, it just sticks out to me, like, how arid so much of it is. Um, But Oregon and and Washington, I guess, both of them, you know, there's definitely a lot more water resources. Um, That's not the only thing, obviously. That's the only variable. Uh, But both of those places are also very beautiful. And it's fairly easy to kind of get away from cities and busyness and all that, which uh, is kind of what I'm hoping for. So, generally... I would say those two states are probably on the higher end of the list, but um, still, still trying to keep an open mind about other potentials.
0: And you mentioned missing the sense of uh, kind of community that maybe isn't as present when you're kind of like moving from place to place. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you recently went to a Zen center in California. Uh, and I feel like that's such a beautiful way for you to create community around you when you do kind of live this like nomadic lifestyle. If, if you want to touch on the Zen center, I would love that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I was living in Michigan, I'll backtrack a little bit. When I was living in Michigan, I was involved with the Zen meditation group who had ties with a very small, um, Zen monastery in Battle Creek, Michigan. Um, so I had done some shorter stays there, which was Great, like I really enjoyed it. It was really good for me and my practice and everything. So since then, I'm just kind of in the back of my head. I really wanted to have a similar experience again. Um, so I reached out to uh, the name is Zen Mountain Center, um, Yokoji Zen Mountain Center, uh, and they are outside of Idlewild. Um, california in the san bernardino Mountains. so i reached out to them midsummer and we've kind of been back and forth about figuring out a time when i could come and i ended up i wanted to go for a month but because uh, of work um realistically could only do two weeks which was still good um so yeah i went there and the first week was kind of their normal winter interim schedule and the second week was uh What's referred to as a session, which is the Japanese term for like a period of more intensive uh, meditation practice. So um, the first week, it was just me and a handful of residents. um, And it was really good just to get to know them and kind of get comfortable with the grounds and the routine and everything. And then the second week, um, like I mentioned, was much more intense. And there was actually quite a few more people that came specifically for that week, for that session, um, and it was interesting because all these strangers showed up, but the whole week is silent. So, you know, you're sitting and you're, you're having all this um, meditation practice uh, and the schedule and everything with all these people. And, um, you know, you kind of feel an affinity uh, or bond with these people, but it's it's just kind of interesting because like, you don't talk to any of them and I don't know any of them um, until the end of the week. You know, there's an opportunity like where it's technically over and we got to chat and get to know each other a bit, which is really interesting. But, um, as far as community goes, yeah, I I met some really wonderful people when I was there and I've kept in touch with them in the weeks since. Um, so it's been really great. And I really want to go back, uh, hopefully soon. I feel like I almost don't have a choice. Like I I have to go back. (laughs) So hopefully I can make that happen soon. But that was kind of the gist of the experience.
0: I, when you stayed there, I can't remember if you stayed in like a cabin or if you camped or if you were like in the van, like sleeping in the van.
1: No, they have um they have housing available. It's a it's a fairly big the grounds and and the facilities and everything. It's fairly big, um a little bigger than I expected. Um so they have rooms and they and I actually ended up staying in this little one room cabin like up this dirt road up the hill from the ground. So it's like a five minute walk, but it was really beautiful. So I didn't mind one bit. Um, Yeah. And the whole, all of their, their whole, their whole system, it's all off grid. So they have their solar panels and everything is spring fed as far as the water goes, um, which is all things that I appreciate. So yeah, it was a really good experience.
0: I want to, shift that into i remember when you got your like i'm pretty sure it's a wood burning stove in your van yes okay Um, can you tell One. can you just like give us a little tour like if you open the side door what are we looking at and then maybe lead into the story about the wood stove because i knew i I know that that was like a really big deal when you got that
1: it was it was definitely a improvement in quality of life for certain places I was staying. Um, But as far as the van layout itself, it definitely, it's like um, kind of a cabin-y feel. There's like wood interior, which is um, more or less what I was going for. So you open the door and there's a large um, cabinetry area that has a a live edge countertop that I epoxied that I'm particularly proud of because I didn't know what I was doing, but it turned out really good. And, um, there's a sink that has a foot pedal pump. Uh, the interior has a lot of wood paneling, like the, the walls and the ceiling and whatnot. Um, and it's kind of a, sort of a cabin um, feel on the inside, which is what I was going for. Um, uh, so when you open the door, <clears throat> there's a large cabinet, um, area that has, um, a live edge countertop that I'm that i'm particularly proud of because i didn't know what i was doing i was winging it but it turned out really good uh and then there's a sink with a like a pretty simple foot powered like a, a pedal um for a water pump and just a fresh water and a gray water tank it's a very simple water setup um and then the bed is in the back and next to the bed closer to the sliding door is the the sort of Desk or um, bedside table, sort of that. Hold that. That has the the wood stove on top, and then there's two shelves that I made from driftwood from Lake Michigan, actually. Um, on just on the walls higher up, um, and then underneath the bed is just storage. Uh, so that's the basics. Um, hopefully that was kind of a clear image of of what I'm looking at. But um, yeah, as far as the stove goes, that was a a later addition, um, I wanted to do it originally, but um, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned there's kind of a a time and budget constraint at the time. So I did it after the fact. Um, I shipped the van down uh, to Tacoma and um, I, was at a, I was visiting a friend in Port Angeles and she was uh, gracious enough to let me stay there and ship the stove there and do this whole project while I was, um, visiting with her and using her roommate's tools and everything. So I was really grateful for that. Um, the stove is from a small company in Canada and they make these little mini stoves for like vans, sailboats, RVs, that kind of thing. Um, and there's definitely Pros and cons, uh, you know, diesel heaters, it's like, you can wake up and just push a button and you get heat, uh, which is great. And you don't have to worry about collecting or processing fuel, et cetera, et cetera. But I really like the stove, um, partly just because of aesthetics and also partly because I enjoy like the tasks of, oh, well, I have to go collect firewood. I have to process it and chop up it down because it's a very small stove, so You have to make the wood small, obviously, um, so I enjoy everything that goes along with it, even if it's kind of a chore sometimes. Um, and it works really well. It's like a sauna in here sometimes. Of course, by the time you wake up, it's cold again. But I've gotten pretty good about staging wood right next to the bed so in the morning I don't have to get out from under the covers. I just reach down and fill it up and get her going again and wait for her to warm up the van. So, so yeah, the, the stove's been great because it's opened up a lot of like, I don't have to worry about like, oh, I can't go to Idaho this time of year because it's too cold and I'll just be miserable. You know, it's, it's more manageable. And I just feel like I have more choices year round, which is nice.
0: I love that. Can you use it for like cooking too? Or it's just ma- it's just mainly for heat?
1: You definitely can. And I have. Um, it's pretty limited because the, the top, there's not a lot of space. Um, but once it gets going, once it gets heated up, well enough um for anything particularly if you're trying to boil water for anything like you know if you're cooking rice or just heating up water for tea or coffee like that's what i've found it's best for um and like i said once the stove gets going it's surprisingly quick it doesn't take as long as you might think which is really nice but generally i don't use it for cooking as much um mostly partly for convenience because i have a little propane or excuse me, propane camping stove that I mostly use, but then also, you know, spilling water on the stove itself, it's very prone to rust and whatnot because it's cast iron. So for those reasons, I don't use it for cooking a lot, but you definitely could.
0: Um, do you feel like having the stove for heat, like saves you money on gas? and everything instead of like having to run the car or use some type of method in that way.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, honestly, um, I've never, even before the stove, I never really had the car running while I was parked somewhere for heat. Like before the stove, I just (laughs) dealt with it, I guess. (laughs) But, uh, um, definitely if I were to have, you know, if I were to have a diesel heater, that's a whole nother expense. Like, okay, I have to fill up on diesel and then I have to store diesel in a container in the van um, because the, the, the van is, is gas, you know, so it's, I couldn't pull from the tank at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a whole nother concern just like storing fuel and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, in that way, um, I am sa- saving money because pretty much anywhere you go, just about, you can find wood for free. So,
0: so, so you haven't paid rent in a few years <laughs> and yeah. I'm just curious about like, do you feel like your maintenance and upkeep of the van? Like, I'm assuming it's still less overall than you like actually paying rent for an apartment and doing that. But what would you say like are some of the biggest like financial differences you've seen? Um, or what would you like what would you want to know before you started this about like either how much money you saved or just I don't know. I'm just Like, I feel like sometimes I myself am interested in doing this and I've talked to a lot of people that also are, and it always comes down to like money. Is this cost effective? Like, how can I like financially do this and have it make sense? For sure.
1: Um, I think it's definitely a case of it is what you make it, but I would say overall, if, if the idea is appealing to you because you would be saving money, I think it's really easy to make that happen you know, rent is dependent on where you are, but, you know, in most cities, it's, it's pretty, I mean, pretty outrageous sometimes, like how much it costs just for a very simple setup. So I think in that way, just right off the bat, um, you know, I'm saving, I'm saving money because if I, you know, for most people living in a place where they're renting, they still have to own a car and have car payments to get to and from work and whatnot. Um, So, Obviously, you know, I'm paying insurance, and um, I had taken out a loan when I purchased the van, so I'm making payments on that as well. But um, I think most people are who are also paying rent. So to that point, it's pretty easy to be saving that money. However, if you are traveling a lot and driving around and covering a lot of ground, which sometimes I am, um, obviously these vans are not particularly uh, fuel efficient. So gas can be is is probably actually just my biggest expense hands down um i'm trying to be a little more mindful about that um because uh one i don't need to be rushing around covering all this ground getting from place to place like i can go a little slower and then also um yeah it's just a really easy way to not burn through money as quickly if i'm not having to fill up the van as frequently um But I would say, yeah, as far as saving money, rent definitely um, is where I'm the largest savings. And then gas is easily the most expensive thing for me.
0: Do you keep a gas tank or like a little like an extra one in the in the van with you? Or do you just like fill up when you need it? I
1: just fill up when I need it. And I've never had an issue with that. Um, Again, it's I'm hesitant to do that to keep fuel um in the van you know because in the space where I'm living because it's you know potentially for fumes and everything especially with the wood stove it's like that's like a major hazard so um you know it's crossed my mind but it doesn't it doesn't really make sense what's that
0: I I didn't even think about that like oh yeah let's just light myself on fire
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was just saying I have some propane canisters for like mini ones for the stove, and every night when I go to before I go to bed, when I'm just getting set up to kind of go to bed or whatever, I just put them outside the van every time, whether or not I have the stove running, because it's like you know potential for leaks and all that fun stuff.
0: Do you have a top rack or anything on the van?
1: I don't. I've considered it, but also um, I. I also weigh the fact that, okay, if I put a top, top rack up there, then it's like more space for stuff and it's like, oh, I can get more stuff now and I can put it, I have no place to store it in the van or under the bed or whatever, so I'll just put it on the top rack. And sometimes it's, that would be nice because there are certain things that I think would be fun to have, but also part of the reason why I like living in the van is because there's kind of a level of forced simplicity and I've gotten to this point where there's literally no more room like under the bed for more shit for me to accumulate. And, um, I like that. So it would be nice and it would be cool to have that. Um, but for those reasons I'm I'm holding off. Um, maybe if something comes up that I really feel like I want to have with me, then maybe I would consider it. But for the time being, um, I'm, I'm not looking to install one.
0: So I feel like also, you know, living this lifestyle has given you a lot of space for like alone time and, you know, kind of being out in nature by yourself and kind of camping in these remote spots. And that's something that I really admire about what you do because I've never camped by myself. And I'm just curious what you would want to tell someone who feels like I do. That's like, okay, I know how to go camping, but... I've never slept in the woods alone in a tent by myself and I'm actually kind of scared of it. Yeah. um, I think,
1: well, for, for starting off, you know, tent camping is definitely different. You know, the level of security you might feel tent camping is certainly going to be less than if you're living out of a van, you know, you can lock the doors and whatnot. Um, But that said, uh, I, in my experience, I mean, I'm, traveling as a man is obviously very different than a woman, particularly if she's traveling alone. So I can't really speak to that. I mean, I recognize like, you know, it's, it's potentially more risk for women traveling, but for my, in my experience, my, the only times I have felt any level of discomfort has always been in cities. Um, I've never been to a place like in the national forest or BML land or, you know, just public land in general. Um, where I've been like sketched out or felt unsafe. Um, and I think part of that is there's no one, usually there's no one around to, to make you feel unsafe, which kind of goes back to why I felt the, the the times that I felt discomfort was in cities because there's lots of people around and I don't know them and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, when I'm out, in, you know, more wide open spaces, uh, I don't really feel uncomfortable, um, or I haven't yet. So
0: that's cool. You, so also, so you don't have a bathroom in your van.
1: Either. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, okay. honestly, I've met a fair amount of people since I started doing this who are living on their vans and a number of them have had toilets like composting toilets or cassette toilets or whatever. And it's all personal preference, but I, I think they're a waste of space and it's probably, again, this is different as a man versus for a woman. Maybe there's different feelings about that because it's obviously it's easier for me to find a place to go to the bathroom in the woods kind of thing. Um, But uh, for the most part, yeah, that's that's kind of a metric for when I'm finding a place to camp. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I have to go to the bathroom and if I can't open the door and just go to the bathroom and then go back to bed, like that's annoying. So I try to find places where that's not an issue, which is again, why I don't like, I don't particularly like finding places to stay in the city because that's not really an option.
0: And you have in the past told me how you've utilized, you have a planet fitness membership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. It's
1: great. Cause they're like everywhere, pretty much everywhere, you know, in most middle to large size cities or towns, there's going to be a planet fitness. So as far as shower access goes, um, that was a big appeal. I mean, they're pretty cheap as far as gyms go. And then also I like to go to the gym anyways. So kind of two, two things at once taken care of. Um, when I first started, uh, Um, A little over a year ago, January of 2020, was when the pandemic was like really picking up and there's a lot of um, excitement over it and paranoia and whatnot. So I did not have a gym membership then. And as I was coming down the West Coast, I was literally just on the lookout for rivers and creeks to shower in or bathe in um, because I didn't have any other option really. Uh, which was kind of a bittersweet thing. Like it's definitely very cold (laughs) in January, even in (laughs) Washington and Oregon. So, uh, that was not always the most comfortable, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a strong aversion to cold water immersion. Like, I think it's like afterwards, you know, you feel really good. So generally it wasn't too bad, but it is really nice to just be able to go in and use a shower and have hot water on demand. You definitely appreciate that a little more.
0: What's something else that you miss as you adventure in the van?
1: Um, When I'm in a place that is uh, on the colder side, um, doing dishes with cold water is something I have grown to hate. (laughs) It's like, you know, you're just, your hands are cold and it's just a hassle and things are wet and it's, you know, it, That's something that I I mean, I'm not at all considering installing a water heater by any means, but it is something that makes me appreciate either being in warmer places where that's not a hassle or in the times when I'm visiting friends or family and I get to use their, you know, I'm using, I'm washing dishes inside in their sink or whatever. It's like, oh, wow, this is so simple, but so nice.
0: On the opposite end of that, what's something you found that you can totally live without? since kind of making this shift? Hmm. Well,
1: the first thing that comes to mind was electricity, like on-demand plug-in electricity. Um, But I'm not sure if that's a good answer because I usually am able to just charge all of my things while I'm driving. So that's more or less the same thing, I would say, as having an outlet in your house. Um, So... I'm not sure. I think um, well, we talked about toilets, I mean, I've been living without regular toilet access for a while, and sometimes it's inconvenient, but for the most part, it's, like, not bad. I mean, sometimes you got to go dig a hole in the woods, but it's like, oh, well, this is not the most comfortable, but I also have a beautiful view, so <laughs> it could be worse. Um, yeah, maybe that, and then also, um, I do, this isn't so much, like physical amenities, but I do miss, um, community. And we kind of touched on that a little bit. Like I, I miss regular access to, um, visiting with friends and whatnot. Uh, I mean, you talked about, you touched on like the amount of solitude I experience, um, which for the most part, I really enjoy, uh, or I have enjoyed, but there's definitely moments where it's like, you know, missing, missing close friends or family and wishing I, had a little bit more regular access or easy access to that
0: can you tell us like a couple of the best places you've stayed overnight or maybe a place that you drove to and it just like totally caught you off guard and you're like oh my god i gotta stay here for a few days and you kind of change plans or (laughs) something like that yeah
1: hmm There are a number that come to mind, a number of places, and some of them are places, like you said, just kind of randomly come across and it's like blown away. Um, Yosemite was the first one that came to mind, and I stayed at a campground there. There's not really any options within the park, Um, but of all the national parks I've been to, that might be the one that really left the strongest impression. Just The whole valley is just so majestic. And, you know, I've seen hundreds of pictures, but to actually be there and looking up these huge granite walls and the waterfalls and everything else it has to offer was like pretty powerful. Um there was another place on my way to Yosemite, um, outside of Yosemite, and I can't remember the name. It was just it was actually just a pull off on this um two lane highway. It was a ways off the road, and there's this big parking lot. And it was pretty much empty. I had it to myself. But it overlooked this big reservoir, and I had this really beautiful view. And um, it was just so easy that I just stayed there for, like, a few days because it was just uh, such a nice view. And um, I had, like, you know, a decent cell service. It was, like, if I needed to make calls or whatever, I still could. And it was also really nice because there's a couple other people traveling that came and stayed for the night and I ended up chatting it up with them and keeping in touch with them, which is really nice. Um, I also, uh, one more place I'll mention, um, in Northern California, um, was Avenue of the Giants and going through there with the giant redwoods. Um, there's all these different pull-offs and, and there weren't any signs that said anything about no parking. So I spent the night at one of those pull-offs, which was awesome to wake up just in the redwoods in the morning Um, but, I shortly after found out that is not allowed, (laughs) said a, a friendly park ranger. So I don't know that I'll be able to go back there and do that again, but I'm glad I, uh, I got that one night at least.
0: Is it just because of like where it is, like no one can park there?
1: Yeah. I think it's a matter of them not wanting people to just like camp out and kind of, stay there longer term because it's it's a popular stretch in the redwoods so you know they don't want they just don't want people like staying longer term i guess i i would be i would imagine be the reasoning because there's other areas of public land that definitely you know you can tell like okay this person in this trailer in, on in the national forest like lives here you know it's like this is their home um so maybe they're trying to avoid that situation i'm not really sure
0: does the van have the capability to drive you like all the way back to Michigan? Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing it's really limited with is like particularly rough or steep dirt roads. Um, there's definitely been some times where I've pushed my luck. I actually got recently, <laughs> recently I got like pretty, pretty badly stuck. Um, yeah. So as far as like longer distances or that kind of thing, like that, that's not really an issue. It's mostly terrain where it's limited. Which isn't too surprising, being a cargo van, you know.
0: How did you get unstuck? Did you, <laughs> did someone help?
1: You? <laughs> oh, a lot of people helped me. So I was in the Kern River, oh. and I came in at night, um, and I was checking out different potential spots. And it was kind of in this sort of—it was pretty much a campground, like dispersed camping area. So there's a lot of other people around. Um, and I tried turning around, but because it was dark, I couldn't see that— off the road, turned very quickly into very soft sand. So my back end got, got very stuck that night, and I was digging and trying, and just got out and digging more and trying again. And really, I was just digging the van deeper and deeper. And so I finally called quits and went to bed for the night. And um, yeah, the next day uh, I was at it again. I have some traction planks. I was trying to use those. Blah blah. blah. So at one point, the neighbor one of the neighbors who was camping out came over and offered to use his truck. And I have towing straps. I was like, that would be awesome. So he tried to pull me out and he got stuck. And then all these people, all these other people are coming. They're like helping dig and push. And there's this big scene. And, uh, um, yeah, it was mostly Latino family, so they're all speaking Spanish to one another, and then I was getting different directions from different people about what to do and it was kind of it was pretty funny. But uh in the end another another truck came that had four wheel drive and it ended up pulling both of us out and so it was no big deal in the end. But uh it was really nice because all these people just showed up and were like very willing to help. Um, which is a good feeling. So it happens sometimes, but not too often, as far as getting stuck pretty bad.
0: I, I love that it was, even though you don't like necessarily have that sense of community all the time that like such that community came together for you in that moment. And I just think that's really cool. Yeah, it was that. like
1: a really great feeling. It was a little embarrassing at the time, but afterwards, it was definitely a, a feel good kind of uh, reflecting back on it. Because it's like, yeah, all these strangers that, you know, they're this is their weekend. They're out here with their families. They're having a good time. Like they definitely didn't have to go out of their way to help some random ass dude in his van get unstuck but they're all happy to so it was really great
0: it actually reminds me of us of the time that you helped someone who lived on a reservation i think it was in arizona yeah yeah
1: i gave him a ride larry Larry... i gave larry a ride he was hitchhiking
0: (laughs) yeah tell us tell us a little bit of the larry story because i think this is super amazing okay um,
1: I was in Flagstaff, Arizona and I had been camping out on the south side of the San Francisco peaks and I wanted to try different areas so I was, I was driving around to the east side of the mountain and it's all national forest more or less so there's some potential sites that I was going to just go and camp out on that side just get a different scene um, and I was driving and I passed this guy who was hitchhiking and in my head, this happens every time I see a hitchhiker it's like, oh, I don't really want to pick him up but then I just think like, oh god I've been there and my guilty conscience gets the best of me and i i turn around to go pick him up and um his name's larry he's a navajo man he lives on the reservation and we were chatting and he's like hey can you take me to gray mountain it was like 30 or 40 minutes i was like sure man i'm i mean i'm not doing anything so it's fine um so we we're chatting and like really friendly guy. And he's telling me about living on the reservation and his family and all his sisters make jewelry. And he started saying like, Oh yeah, we get there. I'll introduce you to my family. I'll show you on my property, this and that. And, uh, in my head, I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll probably just drop Larry off and that'll be that. I'll just go on my way. But we get there and he does. He like, Sisters come out, and he introduces me to all of them. Then he's like, "All right, let's go like walking on the property." And we're walking around, looking at different stones and rocks and petrified wood and everything. And um, yeah, I, I I ended up spending two days on the reservation with them. It was like really funny, and it was an interesting experience because, uh, you know, I was definitely out of my regular comfort zone. Um, they were, you know, it's all more or less Navajo living there, and many of them w- would speak. The Navajo to one another and um, they're also Larry likes to drink uh and that was like some, I had some ambivalence about that but it was kind of funny because like we got to his property and uh he introduced me to his sisters and then he just like started calling the shots he's like alright we're gonna go get some drinks and then we're gonna drive you around and show you around the reservation and I was like alright I'm along for the ride let's do it <laughs> so we did that yeah. and we were driving around, they were showing me where they sell their jewelry by um Grand Canyon and they have a little cabin there and they're showing me to, like little watering holes, swimming holes and everything. But as the night wore on, you know, Larry was drinking more and getting a little drunk and he kinda has like a native um accent sort of already and then he was you know, he had been drinking, so it was this is like really difficult to understand him sometimes. And then his sister who was with us also was trying to give me directions and it was just kind of this cluster, but it was really funny. Um yeah, and I ended up spending the night and then um I was kind of long rambling story, but um in the end the next day he took me to one of their one of their stands and I ended up getting um a uh, a necklace um with a naha pendant um which is the type of pendant you see on the squash blossom necklaces that are kind of iconic of of native or excuse me Navajo jewelry. Um but yeah, that was an interesting, unexpected experience.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I just can't imagine really anyone else that I know being willing to do that and remaining open. And although it like maybe at times during that situation wasn't the most comfortable, you like you just rode the wave and went with it. And
1: Yeah, definitely. I, it was I it was uh, about who you are. Was that?
0: I think it says a lot about who you are.
1: Oh yeah. Well, um, I think. I mean. I mean. I guess for different people, they have different levels of comfort for their own safety. But where I'm at and what I'm comfortable with, you know, just being able to be open to like that sort of thing is like. I mean, there's no other way I was going to have an experience like that where I'm spending time on the reservation and talking to the people that live there and getting shown around and stuff. So. Yeah, I think there's a good amount of being able to just go with the flow or just be open to like, oh, this situation came up very unexpectedly and just kind of rolling with it, seeing where it takes you.
0: Yeah, actually, I thought of you the other day because um, I was driving on the base and I was heading to the gym and I saw this little like light blue, almost like periwinkle Volkswagen that was like the perfect size. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to nice. know like what kind of van this is. So I yeah. literally like whipped into this other parking lot. And I was like, Oh, I'll be able to see it from the car. Well, it had a, like a back rack on it. And I couldn't see the name. And I was like, shit, like, I'm, I'm gonna look like such a weirdo, but I got out of my car and ran up to the car. <laughs> so I see the name, And I was like, Oh my God, I doubt, and I don't think any like no one's like living in that you couldn't do that on the base. But mm-hmm it just like the perfect little size It's a Volkswagen transporter.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Wow. So now you can keep your eye out for one for yourself.
0: <laughs> and now I'm like now the seed is planted like the kind that I like would envision it's like the perfect size. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads into like just, you know, kind of like some final thoughts and ideas. Um, like I had mentioned before, I know a lot of people that are really curious about trying this, whether it be short-term or maybe take an extended vacation, uh, that don't really know where to start. And as far as, you know, encouragement, what would you say to someone that wants to do this and maybe accomplish it as like a, a goal? What would be your encouragement for them?
1: Um, well, Everyone's coming into it from a different situation and different levels of comfort. So if someone has the idea of like, Oh, I want to do the van life thing, but, um, I'm only going to be comfortable if I have most of the amenities I have in my home or my apartment then, um, and a lot of people do, but the thing is doing something like that and, and, and fitting out a rig like that is going to be very expensive and take a lot of time. So if money is an issue, then, um, you know, figuring out, OK, what can I really live with or not live with and what can I sustain comfortably uh, is probably definitely something to reflect on. Um, but also, I mean, like this isn't exactly the first van I've lived out of. Like I was in Alaska for a summer uh, and I just bought this beater like 1990 Ford line van that was low roof and uh it just had like a a plywood interior basically and I just like built a very simple um bed frame and I bought like a little bedside table from a thrift store and threw it in there with a carpet and um that was my first experience doing that uh and it was really simple and cheap and I wasn't like traveling a lot so it worked because that van would not have been able to get very far I actually tried and it it failed me um, so anyways, you know, it's always like an option because then one financially, you know, it's easier if you're going to try it out that way or something along those lines. But then also too, like you get a feel for like, okay, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, I need to have these things that this very simple or cheaper van fit out does not have currently that kind of thing. And that it, it, that's what the experience was for me. Like I learned... I need something that I can stand up in or come very close to standing up in because quality of life of bending over in a low top fan is not going to work. Yeah. And then I think the only other thing that comes to mind as far as the question or prompt you just gave me was um, I think work is probably one of the biggest or most common um, things holding people back from doing this sort of thing. Um, Although, I would imagine a lot more doors are open for people in that way during the pandemic, a lot of work switching to remote work. um, Potentially, I hope for people who want to do it, you know, maybe that opens up some or frees up, um, you know, some avenues for like trying it out or seeing if it's for them. Um, But I don't know, for a lot of people, I would imagine that's like one of the main variables that is really difficult to change or adapt in a way where it's like, Oh, this is a feasible thing that I could realistically make happen.
0: No, no, I appreciate that. And I feel like anyone listening, at least for me, I just really admire your spirit and grace and you've motivated me in ways that you don't even know. And I just, I really appreciate your friendship. And, um, yeah, I'm so happy that you agreed to do the podcast with me. Like I'm just like really excited right now. Yeah.
1: I'm very happy to be here and talking with you about it all. I appreciate everything you just said. It was really, yeah, I was, I was very honored when you, uh, asked if I wanted to, I'm very happy to be talking with you on here. Oh, actually real quick. I just did. I, I did just think of something. Um, there is a, an app called Seeker, S-E-K-R. And for people, I mean, you were talking about spending time alone, like in remote areas and whatnot and all that. Um, that app is like a community-based app, one, to provide crowdsourced potentials, camp spots and other amenities for people living on the road. Um, but then two, there's also like community events that they post Like people say, oh, we're doing we're doing a caravan to like Baja or something like that, or even within the states or whatever. They're not always that far, Um, and pretty much anyone can just join. So, if traveling alone is um, something that's off-putting or intimidating, um, that might be something to explore. Because I've never done that myself, but um, I think that would be an easy way to have a group of people that you're traveling with. Um, And yeah, generally speaking, all the people that I've met that are living out of their van, like they're, they're pretty laid back and they're pretty easy to be around. So as far as like meeting up with some strangers to a caravan that are also living out of their vans, like I would feel very comfortable doing that. I think, um, for the most part, you know, it's a similar sort of type of person that that's drawn to that. So anyways, that's, that's something for you or maybe people listening, if they're curious, um, uh, a resource to look into.
0: Can you say the name one more time for that? Yeah,
1: it's um, Seeker, S-E-K-R. I'm actually pulling up my phone to make sure I'm remembering right. S-E-K-R, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool,
0: Mm -hmm. I also just wrote that down. Cool, yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I, I really appreciate your time and your little tour of your van life. Bye. Hi! thank you for tuning in to lunar cats podcast huge shout out to jacob for taking some time out and giving us a small glimpse at his van lifestyle be sure to tune in to the last episode for our van life series and as always thanks for leaning in for podcast updates check out my instagram at lunar cats L-U-N-A-R-C-A-T-Z, Lunar Cats with a Z.